Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus Fernicus. Say what? Charette. Doc G, what's up, sir? Woo! Mike, I was just getting my things arranged here at the studio. Just making sure we're ready to go for the show. We were chatting, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't have my uh, 420 ladies uh, memento to get me started, mm. as per usual. Yeah. Huh? Mike, mm-hmm. I need to ask you an uh, important question. How was your Thanksgiving? Hmm. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, I went to a party. Whew. Didn't bring up politics. It was hard. It was tough. You partier. To keep that to myself. But, yeah, it was a good time. I didn't uh, – yeah, fantastic food. And then um, – Doctor, you, do you uh, decorate for Christmas right after? No. Uh, or do you do anything? You don't do anything, do you? No. <laughs> you don't do anything. No. Call me Scrooge. There is no need to decorate. I am not no. interested whatsoever. I mean, no. don't get me wrong, Mike. It looks pretty. I can appreciate yeah. somebody with some decorations at their house. Yes! But nobody cares. Nobody's coming by my townhouse to go, uh, are there? And I don't care. I'm not going to come in after a hard day's work and go, oh, I, you know, like, I don't, I don't care. So you don't get okay. the joyful. No, okay. I'm Scrooge in that sense, Mike. Plus, mm. you know what, Mike? You should be in the giving spirit all year, not on Christmas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not on Christmas. <laughs> Mike, um... You know, Thanksgiving is a—it's uh, an important time of year. We have our Thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, show special. Yes, Lewis Black. It was amazing. Huge. Yes. Still loving it. Still Woo-hoo. rolling in the uh, amazement of it. I had a pretty good Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I, I made a, a classic from the kitchen with the help of our friend, mm-hmm. Mister Cowboy Kent Rollins. Yeah. Yes. I made beef stroganoff, Mike. Beef stroganoff. My dad was a yeah. Look great. My dad was a big fan. He's a big fan. He's very excited about it. Very rich. He said high praise. Mm. The next night we rich. went out. He had uh, I forget. It was a very expensive meal, but he had some. It was mussels and clams and some other seafood. Mm-hmm. And mm. uh, I was like, "How is it?" And he's like, "It's all right. It's no beef stroganoff, but it's okay." And I was like, boom. That's right. Did my did my magic, Mike. Thank you, Kent Rollins. So Yeah. Pretty excited. He always about comes it. through. You know, I was pretty excited about it. But uh you know who had a bigger Thanksgiving weekend, Mike? Who, Doctor? Who had a bigger Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. She did a show. Oh, she did she did she got out there, Mike. She got out yeah. there. She uh, you know, seventy seven years old. That's how old Dolly is. 77. Hard to believe. Looks great. 77 yeah. released her rock star album. November 17th, she released it. And all last week, she was just getting getting around, promoting that album. Getting out there, you know? 
and it worked. Mm -hmm. She came out number one on the Billboard charts, Mike. That's amazing. First time in 32 years. Wow. Last time she did that, she was she was 45, Mike. It's insane. Yeah, it is. She sold 118,500 copies in the U.S. in the first week. That's physical wow. copies, Mike. That's physical copies. That's too. hard copies right there. How many tapes? <laughs> no tapes. <laughs> all all vinyls and CDs. Actually, more CDs than vinyls. I was surprised. Uh, People getting out there getting a CD still, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she did, sure. she she knows her audience, Mike. Three biggest sellers: Cracker Barrel, Dollar General, and the Home Shopping Network. Mm. Yeah. Dollar General. Getting out there. They're like, you know what? <laughs> well, I get a couple dollar products. How about this Dolly album, too? There we go. All right. I don't think it sold for a dollar. I'm pretty positive it did not, Mike. It did not. <laughs> Girl, come on. But uh, she even got out there. She, had, uh, she did the uh, halftime show at the Cowboys game. Mm -hmm. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Oh, but, man. But, yeah, I heard, I heard about it. You missed a show, Mike. You yeah. missed the show. She came out wearing a Dallas Cowboys cheerleading outfit. Say what? Hot. 77, Mike. That's a rock star move right there. Yeah, it is. That's a rock yeah, star is. move, but not surprisingly, made the comment gallery on social media go bananas. They had, uh, you know, the positives, the negative Nancys, they all had to come out. They all had to come yeah. out. Uh, one fella, he jumped on there like automatically. Like as soon as she came out, he posted. And he posted, quote, uh, are you okay with a 77-year-old Dolly Parton dressing like a 20-year-old Dallas Cowboy cheerleader? Yes or no? Mike, my hard and fast answer to Vince would be yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. Yes. Same. That's all I have to yes. retort. Now, uh, mm -hmm. Gavin jumped in, though, and said, quote, This is America. It's Dolly Parton. She's the closest thing we've got to royalty. She can do whatever the she wants. That's right. Mm. Amen, Gavin. Great point. Yeah. Amen. Mike, I was, uh, I was blown away by this. Even Dolly Parton's sister, Stella Parton, jumped into the conversation. Hmm. Which side note, Mike? Um, I uh, I saw her comments in uh, a People magazine article, and it mm -hmm. said Stella Parton's uh, Stella Parton has her sister Dolly's back. The singer and songwriter, forty-seven year years old, addressed the online criticism her sister received after wearing a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader uniform, and I said. 47. Wait, what? 47. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that too. Like, 47. What? Dolly's 77. She has a sister that's 30 years younger than her? How does that work? And then I uh, looked it up and uh, she's 74. Come, come on, People Magazine. What? Check yeah. your typos out there. That's a big, a big dyslexic switch there, 47 to 74. Come on now. <laughs> come on. But anyways, I was like, I was out here thinking Dolly's 
parents were having kids for like 40 years straight, like some kind of <laughs> modern miracle. They had one when, when his, her mom was 16 and then another one when she was 46. Like, all right, there we go. Nope. Anyways, uh, I, uh, I, you know. I uh, I thought it was a pretty nice comment that her sister did uh, her uh, sister made. She said, "quote I personally thought my big sister Dolly was cutest in her Dallas Cowboys cheerleading costume at halftime show on Thanksgiving." To to those of you who are being so critical of a seventy seven year old kicking up her heels, I say, "yourself, shame on you, <laughs> not her." Nice, nice, Mike. Yes. I uh I I back up Stella's fire right there. Uh as do I. You know, and side note, side note on Stella, I was I was just spare a thought listeners for Stella Parton. Hmm. Stella Parton has been in the music industry since 1967. She has released 22 albums. Wow. And this is the first time I have ever heard of Stella Parton. Yeah, I, didn't, I never heard about it. And she I, wasn't. She didn't mention get mentioned in the documentary. And I, um, I would like to say I'm pretty familiar with music and Dolly Parton. Yeah, and I've, no, I've never heard of her. I well, well yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm super familiar with Dolly, but come on, I, I've never heard of, of Stella. I feel yeah. bad for. Her. I feel shout out to Stella. Respect. Shout out. You know. Yeah. Seriously. 74 years of living in Dolly's shadow, and you still got her back. That's respect mm-hmm. right there. Nice. Shout out. Shout out to Shout Stella. Out. But, Mike, after her big weekend, uh, Dolly was on. Let's get her on, Let's get her on the show, Doc G. <laughs> if I could, I would, let's Mike. Reach out. If I can get her on the show, well, well, I'll, I'll get Stella on. We had Louis Black. I mean, come on. Yeah, she'll be pulled in. <laughs> she'll be like, what? Louis Black? Yeah, I'll come on the show. Stella. I'm Stella Parton. I'll do it. Um, Mike, after the big weekend, she was on Drew Barrymore's talk show the, uh, Monday. Uh, I'm not really sure why she decided to go on Drew Barrymore's show and not the Doc G it's show. It's still going. I thought it got canceled. Uh, apparently it didn't. Yes, it didn't. And, yeah. uh, okay. apparently it's still getting bigger guests than the Doc G show, but we're going to set that aside for now. For now. Um. For now. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking, <laughs> uh, to, to Dolly about her use of technology. And Dolly said, quote, I'm a low-tech girl in a high-tech world, but I surround myself with all these people that are in to the high-tech world. Hmm. I don't want to talk to everybody that wants to talk to me. I don't text people because I don't want to have to answer. If somebody calls me, (laughs) I'll answer if I want to talk to them. Otherwise, I got too much to think about to clutter my mind up with everything else. I'm certainly not a stupid person. I could learn it if I wanted to, but I'd rather just have my fax machine and call in my creative stuff to my crew. Wait, what? Yes. Yes, Mike. Apparently, Dolly actually communicates via fax. (laughs) Sweet. Reba McIntyre and Miley Cyrus have both told stories about how they tried to get in touch with Dolly to collaborate on a song, and the only way they could contact her was through fax. Mm. That's the only way her representatives would respond, was through fax. Keys to success, Mike. Faxing. 
Yep. All show promotions from now on will be released via fax machine, Mike. <laughs> we are only sending out promotions via fax. Mike, while I type up a quality proposal to Fax Dolly <laughs> to come on the Doc G show, are you ready to fire this show up? Let's fire up this show, Doc G. Let's mm. do it. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Mm, Mike, we have a fantastic show. We don't have Dolly. Oh. You know what? It's it's the next choice. Obvious. The next choice. The band Juice. Right? Juice. That's what everybody thinks. They think Dolly Parton or Juice. That's pretty much it. That's your only mm-hmm. two choices right mm-hmm. there. They've got yep. a new project coming out. They've got a full North American tour. And when I say full North American tour, Mike, I mean it. They're all, everywhere. all over this wide world. It's crazy. It's literally like a month and a half or less, actually. And they're going... I mean, from all four corners. They're going to be in there and in the middle. Jeez. They're going to be in Minnesota. They're going to be in, in Washington State. They're going to be in Southern California. They're going to be in Texas. They're going to be in, in Southeast, uh, in Atlanta. They're going to be in the Northeast. Mm. They're going everywhere in a month and a half, Mike. It's crazy. Nice. It is crazy. Can't wait to talk to them. It's going to be good. But first, Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy Yes, Mike, you are 78 out of 138. (laughs) Looking good. Looking good. This week, don't think it's going to be so good. Don't have Mm. confidence on these this week. Uh, This first one, I will be very surprised. Very surprised (laughs) if you get it. Uh, Here is the condensed clue Extremely well-known author, born on November 29th, 1898, Hmm. in Belfast, Ireland. His most popular series of books, The Chronicles of Narnia. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, no idea. Yeah, didn't think so. So no other things will help here. Uh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, Mike. Did you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia? No, I watched the first movie. It was really good. Why, uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, at least, you, at least you got some background on it. There you go. Yeah, a little, little bit. I read the books. Not bad, you know? I was a pretty young buck. I don't think I got most of it. Mm, you know, it's one of those things that you read and, like, Maybe like a third of it you actually understand. Even though they are children's yeah. books, you should understand, you know. <laughs> I'm pretty stupid, so and probably just uh, half of it is like, yeah. You know how you do that thing? I mean, we still do this. Uh, I'd say you still do this as an adult. I do it as an adult. You're reading, and you get to something you don't know, and you're just like, instead of actually like looking it up and figuring it out, you just move on to the next thing. You're like, hmm. That doesn't make sense. Wait, All right, what? next sentence there. Okay, what do we got? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're a kid, uh, you do that on like two-thirds yeah, of was, everything. I, yeah, but I mean, in your defense, Doc G, I mean, this guy's born in the 1890s. You know, they they had a nice lexicon. They had, they, they 
They were good wordsmiths. They back they then. actually they probably use words now that would be considered college material. They actually did words back then. Yeah. <laughs> they did words. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We don't do them so much. That's true. Nope. That's we don't true. do a lot of words. No. It's no. Very simple. Yeah. Well, you know, text emojis. We got pretty complicated mm-hmm. emojis. You can get uh, <laughs> somebody get pretty... needs to write a book with just emojis. In there, although I'm pretty sure now that's not a cool thing by youngsters. You don't use, you know, by the by the young bucks. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things that you're starting to become, you know. Old and has been. If you use too many emojis, I think it's like a reflex. Really? I think I may be completely wrong on this, but I don't know. I, you know, uh, or just it might just be certain types of emojis. You know, you use certain types. I know that's true. You use certain types okay. of emojis. You're old. You know what types? Well, like you can't use the uh, laughing uh, smiley emoji. That is uh, considered old and millennial. Uh, you got to use the the skull, the dead emoji, uh, for uh, your dead because it's so funny, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I tend not to use any of those. I tend to go with the panda emoji. That would probably be my mm. favorite, Mike, just because it's a panda. That's pretty mm-hmm. much it. You know, mm-hmm. you know my affinity for pandas. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, sure. Mike, uh, C.S. Lewis. Um. Yeah, he wrote. Uh, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Wrote a whole bunch of other books. Um, Chronicles of Narnia sold over a hundred million copies. Not bad. Jeez. Uh, sadly. Uh. I, th- now this is an interesting fact. He uh died uh because of a heart attack in 1963. But uh, almost no one noticed him dying, uh, because he died 55 minutes before JFK was assassinated. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't that suck for him? I mean, you know, like, it doesn't matter. He died. Like, you know, he doesn't care. But, like, it's still, like, you don't, you know, nobody, nobody's mourning your death. It's just like, oh, where's that guy? Oh, he died? Yeah. When did that happen? Oh, a bigger, more famous mm. person died right when he died. So we don't remember. Like, <clears throat> your death gets overshadowed. Yeah. Sad. Sad. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Anyways, we're Ugh. celebrating it now. C.S. Lewis, we are. happy birthday, man. That's right. Uh, Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? <laughs> Let's rip some headlines, Doc G. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, the news outlet Medium, they did a little article on housing in America. They found that housing prices have increased 927.25% in the time from 1967 to 2023. Jeez. Mm. So this means that a house that was $100,000 in 1967 would be, in fact, $927,250 in 2023, Mike. Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, breaking news. It'd be real nice if you owned a house. Yeah. Also, well, breaking you know. news, Mike. If you don't own one now, you're sort of screwed. Sorry, yeah, Mike. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. You guys are screwed. <sighs> well, hopefully, you know, you inherit something. I don't know. You know what? There's always a chance for the lottery. Am I right, Mike? There's always a chance uh. when we play... Yes, well, except I don't play the lottery, so it's going to be hard either, to win. I don't either, Doc G. It's, 
You know, it's just really... throwing money away. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's throwing yeah, away right, money right, right. until you win it, and uh, mm-hmm. that's a a million million uh, million to one chance. Actually, billion yeah. to one Come chance. Come on, Bitcoin. Come on, crypto. Woo! Come on, meme coins. Let's uh, go. <laughs> Mike, scary moment in Canada. Hmm. A woman was running last week. She was going for a little trail jog in British Columbia on a nature trail uh, in a place called Salmon Arm. Oh, no. It's a weird place. Salmon Arm. Mm. Uh, Salmon Arm. Makes sense of why bears would be there. Um, But it was around 11 a.m. when a bear jumped out of the woods and knocked her to the ground. Jeez. As the article says, the bear then bit and shook her before disengaging and leaving the area. Mm. Yeah, officials said uh, the woman was taken to the hospital with only minor injuries. And so, first off, I got to say, Mike, I am glad that the lady is okay. Yeah. But I'm also, I got to ask, why did the bear disengage? <laughs> it's a funny uh, funny way to phrase that. Yeah, yeah well, and, and then why did it do it, you know? Yeah. Like, you'd think it would, you know, no, no offense again to this lady, but you'd think it'd finish the job. You know, was it, was it a case of mistaken identity? It's like, listen here, I'm about to. F- oh, sorry, sorry, I did not realize that. <laughs> my bad. I thought you were somebody else. I'm gonna hop back into the woods. Uh, enjoy your day. Sorry, like just weird. Why? You know? Yeah, it is weird. No, you know, did she like? Was she wearing insect repellent? Maybe? Yeah, did she have a little bear spray on? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, disgusting. Too spicy. Yeah, maybe she had some cilantro in her pie, pocket, Ooh, Mike. Yeah. The bear was bear like me, you know, did not like it. Did not like it. Mike, uh, new study uh, is out. Uh, really, it's just a survey here, but it's on the old Generation Z group, you know, Generation Z. Mm-hmm. They're the hot topic the these days. Yeah, know? the new ones. Yeah. yeah. Recent survey of 1,000 college students found that 45% of them are hyper-conscious of germs. Hmm. And 47% of them wash their hands five to ten times a day, leading several media outlets to call these young folks, quote-unquote, germaphobes. Say what? And Mike, Mm -hmm. I gotta say, finally, a young buck trend I can get behind. (laughs) I've Fully support Generation Z on this one. Good decision, young bucks. Good decision. First Mm -hmm. of all, they did Mm -hmm. the survey on a college campus, Mike. Come on. Of course they got the results they got. You know how many sick germs are on a college campus? That's disgusting. Yeah, the only thing grosser is a dirty daycare center for toddlers. That's the only Mm -hmm. worst place there is out there. Ugh. There's people, you walk around a campus, there's people snotting all over the place, hawking, coughing. Yeah, disgusting. Wiping on things. It's the first time they've ever lived alone. They don't know how to take care of themselves. They don't have a mom being like, hey, you're gross as take a shower, you know? They're just, uh, they're not. They're being gross, you know? And don't get me wrong, folks. I'm fine with you being as disgusting as you want to be. Go ahead. Don't, you know, don't shower. Be disgusting. Just don't bring it mm-hmm. anywhere close to me. I don't need to. No way. 
I don't need to have that. No, thank you. You know, yeah. I try to think like, you know what? This is good for my microbiome. This is a good, Mm-mm. this is no, don't want it there. Mike. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. Mike, uh, by the way, uh, generation Z, they got to get ready. I was thinking about this. They, they've been the new kids on the block for like the last like seven years, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. They're, they're almost all of them are about to be adults. The whole group is going to be in the adult category, and the world is going to start comparing everything they do to the generation below them, which is Generation Al- Generation Alpha, Mike. Word. Generation Alpha. Generation Alpha. I don't agree with this name. It's like they're the, not Alpha. It's like the family having a new kid, Mike. All of a sudden, Generation Z is going to be the middle child, and they're going to be very upset about it. You're not going to be the new shiny thing anymore, and everybody's going to on you, just like they did on millennials. <laughs> They're going to be like, oh, Generation Z doing this again. They're no Generation Alpha. Nope. Mm-mm. And like you said, Mike, Generation Alpha, come on. Come on, what kind of name is that? Yeah, well, you know, Generation Bro Dudes. Come on, what is a Generation <laughs> Alpha? Get out of here. Anyways, Mike, uh, I have a interesting. I have an update of a story we had on the show two years ago. Hmm. Two years ago, we had a story about Casey Garcia. Casey Garcia hmm. is a thirty-year-old, uh, and two years ago, Casey thought it would be a good idea. She was concerned with the safety of a middle school that her thirteen-year-old daughter goes to. So she thought it would be a good idea to prove the poor safety of the school by sneaking into the school and posing as her daughter. Word. Yeah. Not good. 30-year-old went into school with her daughter's ID, and she went to several classes (laughs) before police obtained a warrant for her arrest for criminal trespassing. And, of course, Mike, she documented all of this on TikTok. Because, of course you would, right? Yeah. Why, why not? Oh, my gosh. A lot of views. Got to do you it. You get a lot of views for that. Got to do it. At the end of the video, she said, quote, we need better security at our schools. And uh, in court, Mike, she said, this is what I tried to prove. I don't mean to be curt, but I kind of feel like I proved it. Hmm. Mike, I'm fine with Casey on the idea that she thinks schools need better security, you know? That's a, that's a reasonable argument to make, sure. I mean, I don't know if I agree with it, but it's a reasonable argument to make. However, we don't need better security because adults are sneaking into middle schools posing as middle schoolers. <laughs> that's literally happened zero times except for Casey. That's a fact. And Steve Buscemi. What's up, cool kids? <laughs> no... No horrible <laughs> issues have happened in a middle school because somebody infiltrated a group of seventh graders like a secret agent working for the Russian KGB. Nope. Hey. Hey. Like, that's not... Come on, man. Also, I think Casey was getting psyched on the fact that she could pose as a 13-year-old because she looks so young, and I got to step in and let her know. Nobody thought you were 13. Nope. <laughs> Nobody at the school thought you were 13. 
they just didn't know what to do with the crazy old lady that was in the school trying to act like she was Steve Buscemi saying, what's up, cool <laughs> kids? All right? <laughs> Anyways, Mike, she was sentenced this past week to six months probation and 100 hours of community service. So, there you go. I don't think she'll learn her lesson. She um, has to go to in-school suspension for three weeks. ISS. <laughs> ISS for her, Mike. Um, Mike, uh, Kim Kardashian was on the front of uh, GQ this month. Word. Uh, where she was eating Cheetos in a suit. Mm. I'm guessing uh, there's some kind of social commentary going on there. I don't really care to understand, but that was the, the cover. Uh, regardless, Mike, she had a long interview with Sean Manning where she spoke about her father, Robert Kardashian, and what a strong work ethic uh, he had. Hmm. Which I, I get, you know, that guy was uh, a boss as a lawyer, you know, working mm-hmm. hard on the old uh, uh, law. Uh, and yep. she said she's trying to instill that same work ethic in North, the uh, daughter she has with Kanye West. And uh, Kim talked about North setting up a lemonade stand outside of their house, saying, quote, she gets a huge pitcher and fills it, puts it in her wagon, goes down to the corner. She has a table and chairs and a fan that keeps herself cool. She makes signs. She stays out there hours and hours. If a random person stops, she'll charge them only $2. If she knows you, though, she will fully scam you. I'll get calls from my friend saying she charged them $20 for lemonade. She'll grab their $20 and say, I don't have any change. Huh? What? Mike, first of all, I need to step in and say robbery is not a form of hard work. Okay? (laughs) That doesn't count of instilling hard work into your daughter. Like, makes no sense, Mike. Second of all, what the f*** does North need for $20, man? Her mom and dad have millions of dollars. Come on. Hey, you know she's got that lemonade stand, prime real estate. North North might want to understand, too. You give deals to returning customers and friends of the company. You don't rob them. That doesn't (laughs) work well. That's a very bad business model. Does not work. <clears throat> Lastly, Mike, I know I, I shouldn't judge kids. They've got their, their whole life No, it's ahead. okay. You can judge them. Yeah, okay. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Screw well, let me, let, me, uh, let me judge them a little. Uh, <laughs> Kim's daughter scares me about as much as AI does for the future. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you've got Kim Kardashian and Kanye West as your parental guardrails. Just think about that. Yeah. That's your two centers of your universe. Pretty much like AI, Mike. Yep. Who knows? She could come out and save humanity. Or she could end it all. Either one. Mm, yeah. Pretty much pretty much either way. It could go either <laughs> way. She scares the living bejesus out of me, Mike. I'm not yeah, gonna not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Uh Mike. We are going to take a break. We are going to hear from the one, the only, Juice, right here on the Doc G Show.
cheeks are pink and white I know that look, I've seen it before But she steps out now slowly shuts the door A chemical curse courses through my veins A wisp of her hair tangled in my brain
we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. Mike, what do listeners need to do? Well, Doc G, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, they should please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever they get their podcasts. Um, Mm. It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if the listeners are feeling extra generous... They should leave us a five-star review and a comment. We love comments. Amen, Mike. Yes. <laughs> Doctor, I was uh, I was starting to read that really quickly, and I was like, wait, no, they need to hear this. Why would I, why would I try to speed through it? No, so. you need to emphasize it. You yeah, need to slow exactly. down. In fact, we might yeah. just do a whole show where you read that extra slow. <laughs> just super spread out, just like that. Yes. Be, uh, we will get zero listens on that show, Mike. <laughs> zero listens. But you know what, listeners? I'm gonna be honest. I wasn't getting enough love for the uh, for the Lewis Black special. Come on now. Really? Girl, come on. Yeah, get out there. Get out come there. On. I need to see the numbers, man. Come on. You're gonna you're gonna make this is a, a absolute legend. Legend on the show, and and we're, we're getting more listens for other shows. From past weeks. I mean, no offense. All of our guests are great. I'm just saying. This guy performed at Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. That's right. Come on. He's got legendary. He's got comedy Grammys. This dude has performed with everybody. He did a movie with Robin Williams. And you're too good to listen to an interview. Is it me? Is it is it my part of the interview? Is that what's bringing it down, listeners? That's understandable. Just, I get it. But still, come on. Mike's on there. He had a couple questions. He threw in he he threw in he threw his hat in the ring. Come on now. He was was there. there. He saw it. It it happened. It's a moment on in his life that he put beside I did that. On his on his list of things that he did. Great journalist. Great journalist, Doc G. You and I. You and I, great journalists. We do it. You know, we wear we wear the little uh, hat, the little fedora with our little notepad in the side. I'm going to get a got, fedora. We got a recorder that we come up to people and say, hey, listen here. I got, I got a question for you here. Hey. We get back to our room. We got old typewriters. Tick, 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 tick. That's Chain us. smoking cigarettes. Journalists, Mike. Us. <laughs> Journalists. But regardless, guys, listen to the show. It's fantastic. Go yeah, back there. If you is. haven't listened to that one, get back in that one. That Mike. We need to thank the regular listeners. We need to thank those people. We do. Now, uh, I had the most amazing report of fast. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to build back up to that. Uh, I'm gonna go slow again. So here's the slow. Shout out. We're going Jacksonville, Florida. Shout out to the originals. Columbia, South Carolina. Radford, Virginia. Gainesville, Florida. Frankfurt, Germany. Anoka, Minnesota. I bet you Anoka's cold right now. Ugh. I bet you Anoka's uh, pretty bad. What do you think, Mike? Off the top of your head, what do you think Anoka is? Give me go a guess. 14, maybe 15 degrees. Uh, I think you're going too low. I think you're really? going too low. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're not too far. 21. 21. 21. Oh, gosh. Screw that, Mike. No, Ugh. thank you. Pass. But thank you for listening to the show. Thank no you. thank you to your weather. Thank you for the show. Yes. Uh, Ashburn, Virginia, shout out to you. Piracai, Brazil. I bet our folks in Piracai are living in some lovely weather right now, Mike. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say 80. 
I am 80, jealous already of their 85. of their weather. I bet you it's it's 85 something. Degrees. Yeah, yeah. 82, Mike. 82. 82. Lovely. Perfect. Lovely. Shout out to San Diego, California. Shout out to Dublin, Ireland. We turned this into a weather station. Fantastic. Shout out to Boardman, Oregon. Shout out to Genoa, Italy. Richardson, Texas. Barcelona, Spain. Winfield, West Virginia. Biloxi, Mississippi. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Peoria, Illinois. Katy, Texas. Toms River, New Jersey. Olive Branch, Mississippi. Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartansburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Chicago, Illinois, and Boynton, Virginia. There we go. That's right. Five star listens. We appreciate all of them. We do. We do. Whether whether thank cold you, weather you. or warm weather, we appreciate all of you. Shout out. The, the cold weather folks, don't worry. The Doc G Show can keep you warm. Mm-hmm. And the, the mm-hmm. warm weather folks, don't worry. You can take your pants off when listening to the Doc G Show. All right? <laughs> America! All right. Mike, the four-star listeners, are you ready? I'm ready. Shout out. Mountain View, California. Shout out to you guys. Covina, California. That's uh, East L.A. right there. Shout out to those guys. Nashville, Tennessee. Shout out to you. New Orleans, Louisiana. Shout out to you. Arlington, Virginia, shout out to you. Cleveland, Ohio, they're back on the list, Mike, for the second week. Farmington Hills, Michigan, yes. Elk Grove, California, south of Sacramento. Uh, Monterey, California. Toronto, Canada. Virginia Beach, Virginia. And Kansas City, Kansas. There we go, Mike. Four star listens. Yes, Mike. uh, Two real quick stories, Mike. First of all, we need to salute a fellow Floridian for achieving a goal very few people have achieved. 79-year-old Louisa Yu, Mike, just last week achieved her goal of traveling to all 193 countries in the world. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Wait, what? 193 countries? It's a delayed reaction. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Doctor. I'm uh I'm taking notes. Wow. Wait, hold on. I need to respond. How did she do it, Doc G? What did you, you know, they say we're not well-traveled in in Florida, but, you know. She did. Well, she's... you know, I mean, technically, Luis is not a native Floridian. Oh, uh, okay. She was born in the Philippines, Mike. Ah, she right. went to St. Louis as an exchange student not too long after she moved to Miami for warmer weather, which mm-hmm. I totally Smart agree move. with. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Uh, but that was uh, 50 years ago, Mike, a little bit over 50 years ago. And uh, while she was in Florida, she was like, you know what? I want to travel a little bit more. And so she did. And then eventually it became her goal. I'm going to see every single country. Guesses on the last country she checked off the list, Mike. Mm, probably the most dangerous. Um, I don't know. Um, Serbia, Mike. Serbia. She said all of her friends uh, she had made while traveling told her to make Serbia her last country. She said her friends uh, said, make your tri- last trip Serbia. We're going to have a party for you. That's what they said. Word. 
No offense to any okay. Serbians listening, but I would probably think my friends were playing some kind of trick on me. Yes! Uh, and be like, really? Serbia? Like, you know, unless I'm going to get to hang out with Nikola Djokic, I'm not, I'm going to have to pass on Serbia being my last country, you know? I'm... Um, I'm going with somewhere, you know. Let's bring it home, man. Let's let's go Italy for the last country. Let's go Italy. Yeah, save something big, something awesome on the list that you're you're. You know that was like a top five country for her. So it Italy, it's, it's everybody's everybody. on the top five. Yeah. You know, so true. Uh, but when asked about uh, advice for people who want to travel, she said, "Quote: Don't be afraid. Just go. Don't wait for anybody because if you wait, it will never happen." And you know she's right, Mike. Yep. I've said I'm going traveling to some places, and it still hasn't happened. So she's totally <laughs> correct. And you know what? I don't see myself turning into Louisa, Louisa anytime soon. But you know what? Yeah, me neither. Hats off no to her, Mike. Hats off to her. Yeah. Big goal. Mike, uh, last story real quick. An old research study from 2017. It's been making its rounds uh, in the popular press. It's cycled back again. Uh, the study was published in the Royal Society Scientific Journal, and it looked at sleep patterns in dogs. They looked at how dogs sleep after they've been exposed to either positive or uh, negative emotional experiences prior to sleeping. Hmm. So, like, you know, positive one would be, like, getting a, a nice good pet before bed, you know, owner just okay. petting them, giving them nice soft soft pets uh mm -hmm. something bad would be like seeing an intimidating stranger before bed somebody they didn't mm. know scary you know and yeah. uh not too surprisingly dogs uh that had positive experiences before bed had a deeper and more consistent sleep more rem minutes there uh now it's a fairly interesting study mike but of course media outlets got a hold of this and they 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 took it a little too far you know, they extrapolated the results to what you can't actually extrapolate from the study. This was the title that they had. Quote, dogs lie awake at night worrying about their problems, research says. <laughs> That's not what the uh, research said, Mike. That is not what that study said. They make it sound like you walk into the living room and your golden retriever Hank is sitting on the couch with his head in his paws like, oh, oh what am I going to do? And you're like, what's wrong, Hank? And he's like, oh, man, well, where do you want me to start? Mary's failing <laughs> third grade. Company's going to start laying people off in March. My granddad had to be moved into assistant li living. And the HOA won't get off my <laughs> But here I am, you know. I didn't want to bother you with my problems. I've just been sniffing crotches and barking at dog, like dog barking at cars like nothing's wrong. There you go. Just, you know, I can't I can't I can't control it though. Can't sleep at night freaking out. Like it's not what They're dogs, Mike. They're dogs. What are they thinking they're about? They forget. They th they're they're, they're talking about, about food. They're thinking about yeah. sleeping. That's what they're thinking about. They're dogs. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Juice right here on the Doc G Show.
95.5 Spinnaker Radio WSKRLPFM UNF Jacksonville Hey what's up this Rock Montana This Mucho Yellow And it's Rockin' Yellow And you're listening to Doc G Show From 803 to 904 The best show on the radio You dig? Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are very excited to be welcoming the fantastic band Juice, at least half of the band Juice. We've got Ben, we've got Kamal, and we've got Dan here with us today. Very excited to have you guys here. How you guys doing? Doing great. Fantastic. Doing good. Fantastic. Doing good. I like it. I like it. Well, we are coming up on the 10th anniversary of Juice. Wow. It's coming up. I mean, that's... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) When you put it like that. (laughs) I got to ask, Dan, does it feel like 10 years? I mean, yes and no. I think it's it's interesting because we... I mean, we all met 10 years ago, but I think when we were really started to be a real band was like Mm. five years ago. Because we all met early college, so we were making music, but really we were just, you know, buddies in college screwing around and, you know, seeing if we could come up with something cool. And on Saturday nights, we didn't have anything else to do. We'd make some music, you know. So we didn't actually really start doing, like, the full national touring and all that type of stuff until about five years ago and started taking recording and all that type of stuff a little more seriously. Yeah. So I've, it definitely feels like I've known everyone for 10 years. That that checks out to me. But Seems but more like yeah, a fifth that, anniversary yeah. as far as the the, the real juice movement yeah yeah i think so nice nice well i mean you guys uh, from what i what i can tell as far as the band you guys are all have been musical for for a a good while now i've got ben's backstory to a degree i don't have uh uh, dan and kamal's background as far as music uh ben i know you started with cello uh at a really young age uh, and I heard, yeah. I heard you describe how you ended up with cello. Your parents played a whole bunch of records, and you had the biggest reaction to the cello records, um, which which <laughs> yeah. is a very follow your passion kind of thing. I like it, but at the also, at the same time, I was like, I don't know. Three year olds don't usually make the best decisions. Just uh, historically, <laughs> oh no! If I, if you left me to make my own decisions at three, I'd be pretty ha- unhappy with them now. But I'm I'm guessing it worked out. You enjoyed cello, right? I very much enjoyed cello. Yeah, nice. Um, I'm yeah. wondering, you know, I don't remember all that much from that age. That's what they told me happened. <laughs> but um, they actually the just shoved time. it in your hand. There it is. Yeah, you liked it. You loved it. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, you like that. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm very happy with it. It's been um, it's been the most formative thing I think that I you know that's that's not a human being I think in my life. Nice. Um, it's the cello for sure. Nice. Yeah. Now, uh, now, does now I has it has it shown up in Juice songs that I'm, I'm sort of unaware that I oh have? yeah yeah it's it's layered in there um, on quite a quite a few of our songs. Um, it adds a really nice depth to, you know, whatever idea we're kind of trying to get across, especially with Christian. Um, 
uh, and it has not come on stage yet. Uh, there's only so much room in the van, <laughs> but one of these days, it, mark my words, Ben, <laughs> that will, that will make an appearance. It does. It does take up basically a person. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Kamal, how'd you start in music? Uh, um, my dad is a very creative person. Um, he is an, he would be a self-proclaimed amateur bass guitar and drum player. Um, so he put a, he gave me his old acoustic guitar. He's like, I don't, I don't really care for this one much longer. He showed me a couple of chords and he said, you can figure it out from here. So I've been teaching myself maybe since age six or seven. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and he always had like Black Sabbath and Disturbed on <laughs> in the radio. See, so, see, um, I, I got a guitar but, in sixth grade and it was one of those things like you can teach yourself and that's what everybody said. And then I tried and I was like, this is hard. No, pass. I'm not going to do this. And so... Then I went. I went to drums. Yeah. You can automatically make a beat on that, and I was like, "Okay, this is way better. I can I can work with this." <laughs> what, Dan, yeah, how, I mean, I, I gave I gave the drums a shot. It, yeah, Dan, how did you get start started on guitar? Uh, well, so my my first instrument was actually piano. My mm -hmm. dad is a great piano player, so he was he always pushed me and my siblings to do piano, but, but I didn't love piano mostly didn't love my teacher she, i don't think she lives in florida so i can say she was pretty mean um, <laughs> oh so no shout kinda, out oh it, no it, no shout out no shout out <laughs> but um yeah i essentially really wanted to play guitar um and had to beg my parents for for many many years and then eventually when i was i guess in like sixth grade sixth seventh grade so I played piano from like eight to twelve, and then I started playing uh, guitar. Eventually, I I I broke my parents, and they and they gave in. Um, but yeah, I was just playing. You know, blues stuff was what made me want to play guitar. Steve Ray Vaughan was kind of that initial inspiration that really you know lit a lit a fire under me to to want to play. Oh. Um, but all those guys, BB was a huge influence. Um, all that blue stuff just, I think, really spoke to me. Still does, but back then, that was that was all I wanted to do. Oh yeah, and get 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 you fired up. I've definitely had a lot of people on the uh, people people on the show that want to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> made, he made it look so easy. He also made it look so fun and just uh, oh, cool. once again, it's one of those things that you know. And then I was like, oh. This isn't translating for me. He really makes that seem much easier than it is over here. Um, yeah, well, that's a pretty that's a pretty hard comparison. Comparing anyone to Steve Ray, that's a he's gonna make it look. It, yeah, it could be else. it could be it could be anybody for me really that knows chords, and you'd be like, oh, it's <laughs> hmm, not really it's not really working out for you there. Um, now, Ben, you at the end of high school, uh, you tried out, you went to L.A., you tried out for The Voice, uh, and, you know, before that, though, I know you were you were into theater, you were in the symphony uh, during high school. Did you actually have any, like, bands in high school? I had a band in uh, late middle school, early high school, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. 
and we were called the Sea of People. And we played mostly covers. I think we wrote like one or two songs. Mm -hmm. I was, I don't even think I was writing music at that time. I was the drummer in that band, funny enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, then they started sort of going in a more punk rock direction. Like we started playing some Blink-182 stuff. And that's when I got the boot. (laughs) (laughs) Was... What, were, were your eighth notes not going fast enough for the Blink One Eighty Two? What was happening there? Yeah, man, I don't think I don't think I was in shape for that. Uh, understand? <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, it's funny. Some of those guys will come to my shows now, and it's like it's re- it's really like I don't know. It just warms my heart. It's like you know, you guys are like the first band I ever was in. It's great. <laughs> did, did they keep with music, or did they go somewhere else? A few, yeah, a few. I know one uh, drums in a few other bands now, and uh, uh, my the one buddy down in Nashville is doing some like producing and writing on the side. But I don't think um, to the extent that yeah that I have chosen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, do you have any uh, bands in high school before college? Yeah, we played. I was in a oh god, what did we call ourselves? The Milwaukee Jazz uh, Quartet or something? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, baby. We play, we play around the city doing like uh, just little jazz gigs and make like seventy five bucks. Like, are you are you, you know, saying like the jazz gigs, like a fancy Italian restaurant wants a band to play, at, like in the background, that kind of gig? Yeah, like random stuff from my high school. We did play. Uh, we did play prom, which was oh. cool. That mm. was that. That was pretty. That was pretty legit. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, we played. We played at our prom. It was it was real good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I did some jazz stuff. I was I was in uh, like jazz classes in high school, so we all we all knew how to play like jazz standards and stuff like that. So we just we just kind of played that, and then you know, I was in another band. I can't even remember what we called ourselves, but yeah, we played prom like a couple few things here and there, but huh. nothing nothing crazy. Kamal, did you get into? bands in high school or no um nothing like official in name but i definitely had some real jamming buddies uh some there were some really talented guys I remember alex tommy andrew craig yeah i would usually fill in for bass and vocals uh just to, just to kind of mess around and you know cover songs uh we used to do this annual um blues band concert in high school like it was school wise and like it kind of drew in a lot of musicians that would otherwise not not show their faces so we we made a lot of reps there nice nice well now you guys get to bc um and and most of you didn't major in music right did any of you guys major in music yeah. No. Yeah. So so no major in music. Ben, you minored in music, right? Yes. Yeah. So what, what was the, I mean, did all of you, did you come into college thinking I'm going to do music or was it just like, well, that's a fun side thing that I'm going to do? Pretty I much thought the opposite. That. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was, well, I guess, I mean, I know. I, I just like, we did the, Kamal was in an acapella group too, also. Fun one little note there i was also an acapella group and i was like yeah that's probably the extent of it and then it just it was just like you guys were thrown in my face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, get rid of us. 
We had a uh, me and and Miles, the drummer, lived in the same. Uh, we were roommates freshman year. Yeah, and Ben deferred because he was on the Voice for that first semester. Um, so he just stroke of luck actually moved like four doors down from us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd already kind of been playing a little bit. We've been all jamming like a little bit, and then Ben popped there, and we we're like, "Wow, that's that's perfect." And and uh, Kamau was also on on the campus that that we were on. I knew him as the cool looking guy with the fedora because he always used to wear fedoras. You're not you, you're kind of out of your fedora phase. Yeah, the fedora but phase is, is like, gone. That's like fedora guy. I want to jam with fedora. Guy. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I need to get a little more like age and. Uh, you know, I need to be a classier. <laughs> you get that. You get to wear a fedora with a little more experience. Uh, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, yeah. You you realize though. You're like, you know what? No. After a couple more years, I'm going to put this away. I'm putting this away for a little bit. <laughs> so it was more like a gradual assimilation yeah, in- to get into like into sort of a band style. It's just sort of like people came in and were like, hey, we should jam. Hey, you should jam too. We should jam. So it was sort of just like accumulating as you went. Exactly. Yep. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I met uh, Miles, the drummer, in my music theory one hundred and one class. Um, so we we just kind of piled up there. I met Christian violin vocals in uh, orientation. So he's the first person. Mm. And they kind of oh, just, really. I feel like I yeah. didn't even know. Yeah. 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 What? And then BC Idol. Then we did BC Idol together. Yeah. And you did BC Idol with Chris. Yeah. Well, now at the, the start of the band, you guys had eight people in the band. And obviously that is, it's like I said, it's just sort of like this assimilation. Like, oh, you play this, you play this. I was sort of wondering, was there anyone that tried to assimilate in the band that had a really weird instrument? Was there like somebody that came up with like a bassoonist? Or like a triangle player that was like, "Hey, I, I'm in, guys. Come on." <laughs> I tried to, I tried to bring the triangle in, oh. but I also, much like the fedora, I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> need a lot of swag to pull off the triangle. Yeah, you, you do. And a fedora. You need a fedora to pull off the triangle. <laughs> That's true. It was a combination that you weren't ready for. You didn't know. You yeah. needed to unlock those two together. Um, yeah. Well, now, uh, I, I wonder, I actually heard this in an interview you guys did a while back, but I've, I've thought about this because obviously when you think of Boston and music in college, most people think Berkeley. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I've had like on the show, I don't know, at least 30 graduates from Berkeley. I mean, you know, probably one of the biggest, I always love to bring it up, but Steve Vai, who is, you know, Steve Vai, pretty, you know. And that's what a lot of the folks from Berkeley, it's very prestigious, you know, it's this, it's this great institution. But I was wondering, is there a little bit of a chip on your shoulder with, with the folks in Boston that aren't affiliated with Berkeley to show like, yeah, yeah, you're great, but you know what? We can also make music. There's also other folks that can make music <laughs> in this in this uh, city. <laughs> no, nah, there's no bad blood at all. Uh, we have a lot of Berkeley cat friends mm-hmm. and they're all... Uh, incredibly talented, kind, um, and we love sharing stages with them. Been, been a nice ride. Okay. Yeah, I feel like we were. We also, in some respects, I feel like we almost had like a leg up in that regard because 
I feel like there were a lot of bands in, in, at Berkeley, but everyone at Berkeley is like a, a music person. Mm. So there was a, like, we were always pretty good, but like, we were definitely not as good back then <laughs> as we are now. But there, there were people, if you go to, you know, Boston College, like not everyone's like a music major or whatever. So, you know, people are, I feel like, sometimes just really open to hear whatever because there's not that much music around campus anyway so if they hear a band's like gonna play somewhere they'll come out so i feel like we actually had you know it was it helped us in some ways being at a school that's not as known yeah as berkeley obviously because people were just like oh cool band yeah i'll totally go see that so it, it gave us like a natural fan base that we could kind of build upon so it's and it was cool. And a lot of our contemporaries were all Berkeley guys and Berkeley girls, so they were uh, they were all you know wonderful as well. But yeah, it just gave us a little bit of a. It was nice having I, a little built-in crowd. I always say I, I've I've told this actually last week on the show or two weeks ago on the show we had uh, Mia Sano, uh, a violinist there on the show, and um, she, you know she graduated from Berkeley I think last year or the year before one of those. And uh, I, I always tell people from Berkeley, that's the thing, is I feel like it's uh, it's the school from X-Men, uh, except everybody's mutation is music. And so everybody just comes in. And it's, <laughs> it's like you walk up to somebody and they're like, what can you do? And all of a sudden they just have perfect pitch. And you're like, holy crap, I didn't know. Wow, I've never seen one of those people in person. You know, like it's just... Everybody has this weird one, you know, special, super amazing thing. So it's like you said, uh, usually when you're trying to show somebody something music, they're just like, eh, doesn't really impress me. I don't know. I might go see yeah. you. you. might, you know. But, uh, yeah, well, it's good. It's good. No, there's no bad blood. I'm glad to hear that. That's good stuff. Uh, well, now, yeah. you guys got fired up to start as far as a band. The first thing was Battle of the Bands when you guys were freshmen. That's where the the name came from. That's that's what motivated the first sort of songs together that you wrote. Uh, how soon was that after that everybody came together? After like you know all the members of the band, how soon was that that you did that battle of the bands? Like a few months. Yeah. Like yeah yeah. So just like a turnaround. Just like two or three somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I guess you know when at least. For me, that's when it, it felt like we were being more intentional with our time together, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we had to come together to write something we hadn't done together at all. And, I mean, some of us had never really done that, you know? So it um, was a, a beautiful, like, um, unwrapping of this gift. And it was it was fast, but it was good because um, we, we had something to work towards, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so you you had you had a couple of battle of the bands that you won. Uh, you know, I, I know the the, uh, the one freshman year, and then there was uh, one in uh, uh, Summerfest that you won. But it still seems like through college, it's sort of like you mentioned before. I mean, as far as Dan mentioned, as far as sort of the split, like college, it was still sort of like an extracurricular activity. Uh, you know, that the, the band was like, okay, this is sort of our outside thing that we've got going on. Was there any time that anybody in the band was sort of pushing it to be more than that during school? Like, you know what? No, guys, screw school. We're 
going at we're going professional. <laughs> I feel like oh. it it happened kind of gradually. I feel like there was a so the second we we went to Miami and played Summerfest, which mm-hmm. I feel like that was kind of a big marker of like oh, okay we're we're gonna do this and like a couple people. We're gonna go abroad and decided not to because like the band was going places and so I think at that point, probably late junior year, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it was ever like explicitly stated, but we were kind of starting to come around to the realization of like yeah we're not gonna stop doing this after college and we're gonna try and and make it happen. Yeah, and we were doing the, we did like the the pineapple record that no longer is on Spotify, but that was. Uh, I think that was like a concerted effort, our first time being recorded. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, making something tangible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now, so you uh, you released Working on Lovin' EP in 2018. Uh, and you actually, you got you got to be on the Today Show uh, playing Sugar, um, which had to be, I mean, was that, was that a sort of a... A moment in the band, like holy crap, we're going to be on national TV. Like, I mean, and that's had you, you guys had all graduated by that time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, once that, um, did yeah, you, that was. Did you let it seep in? Was it sort of one of those things that, like, when that, when you found out you're going to be on the day show, I feel like with all of these, if I put myself in the situation of I'm in the band, I would not be able to hold myself back. I would be that guy that would be in the band, like, guys, we are famous now. We are world famous. We are on the Today Show. Was there a little bit of that that seeped into you or no? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think- yeah, you kind of have your moment. Like you, you, the 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 adrenaline hits you. The the moment of the performance, mm-hmm. you're like, oh snap! I guess that's a TV camera. That's 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 something else. <laughs> and then you go home <laughs> to your your mom's house. And you're like, wow, you see that? That's that's cool. <laughs> oh, she got me a pizza. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why were you late? Uh, I was on yeah. the Today Show. I don't care. Where were you? Curfew's <laughs> uh, <Sad>. eleven. <laughs> I think it felt um, to have some sort of um, some sort of appeal on, on in. I don't want to say commercial. I think that might be reductive, but I guess in a sense, uh, just to have like a moment right there, like on TV and like mass consumption sort of moment. Um, because I, at least for me, that was sometimes like, I mean, if you listen to our, the music that we've released, it's, it's, I mean, you know, so a lot of people are confused, like, what, what's your sound? Like, what are you guys doing? Um, that was, that was a nice, like, kind of reassuring moment, I think, uh, for us. Be like, okay, like, you know, some of the stuff people can understand and people can get, um, and people can enjoy, um, which was, which was good. It was, it was more fuel to the fire than anything, I'd say. Well, I've I've sort of wondered that with folks like yourself, like you're saying that you have so many genres molded into one. You guys love so much music, and it comes together in your music and sort of, you know, piles itself, layers it on top of itself. Uh, again, this is something when I put myself in a band and I think like, what would I do? I would always have an issue with streaming and looking at the songs that are popular and go. What do we do in that song? What was what was nice about that song that people like? Do you 
do you find yourself doing that, Ben, or no? Is there no time? It's just what you guys want to create artistically. You put it out, and if people like it, cool. If they don't, too bad. Um, that's a really good question. I would say that the latter that you just suggested, whatever that point was, um, <laughs> I, I think that's the most important thing for us because... Whatever was going on uh, right there, that, that thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's what like is, is fun. I think for us um, is doing. You know, if, if we like it, that's the, sort of the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, there are some songs that we can relate less to now that we put out. That you know, maybe um, they, that still mean a lot to people. And like you know, you really something is not yours anymore. Um, but at, at, you know, what it, what it boils down to is just us making stuff that really fires us up right now. Mm. Um, and I, I think that that as sort of a guiding principle is, you know, when people can, when people see our show, I think a compliment that I've gotten a lot of times is, is you guys, like, you're having so much fun and I can feel it and it, like, lifts my spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, a, a parallel philosophy, like, to our music, too. It's, like, if we're really in fulfilling ourselves and enjoying ourselves in that process, then um, that's really the only metric I feel like uh, I can think of for, for us. For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, going along with that, having fun in in concert, uh, I couldn't help but notice you guys, when you were able to get back on the road there uh, in 2022, you guys went on a tour with great friends of the show, uh, Flip Turn. Uh, And, you know, uh, Flip Turn, uh, that's... I think what people love about their shows the most, they always look like they're... they're, I've, I've, I've heard it described as a a fever dream their their concerts and that's it sort of it's got that it's got this energy and then they just all look like they're having so much fun up there right and and when i talk to them uh they're they're also low-key but then i watch their their shows and i'm just like oh Oh my God! There was a lot of energy coming from that. I wasn't ready for that. Like you know, Mad Cat, she's dancing around on stage. Devin's sweating gallons uh, back on the drum set, and I'm just like, oh, jeez. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how do you have any? Do you have any flip turn stories? Were there any bananas things that went on on that tour? Any fun things to share? Yeah, I mean, we shared an Airbnb with them for like four days. Nice. Um, yeah, it was. We became very friends. I have I have a good question about that. Actually, it reminds me of when we last interviewed them. Mitch uh, said that he always uh, would do or say something stupid to other bands to just make him seem very oh. weird. And then afterwards, he'd be like, "Why? Why did I say that? Was there any of that happening with Mitch? Do you remember that ever happening in the uh, the the B and B?" I think this takes a lot to weird us out, man. Yeah, we're <laughs> pretty strange. We're pretty, pretty strange. I think it's why we get along so well. We're just like trading blows of stuff that <laughs> probably remain inside <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> it's a good time. Good. I think we felt the real kinship with them in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we had, we, I mean, we played a bunch of video games together. We threw the football. We, um, we had we set up all of our instruments like in the main the common space of the Airbnb downstairs, and so there was just hours of jamming and laughing and other things I probably can't say on here. 
Um, but it was really a, a, just such a joy. We really, we really love those guys, and we made some wonderful music that I don't. I hopefully will one day be <laughs> actualized. But it was just great. Like even even if it was for just that those few days, it was it was great. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that'd be that'd be a pretty good collaboration right there a juice flip turn collaboration that'd be be nice to see i'd like to see that come out someday yeah they are uh they are great and i'm gonna let mitch know that he did not do anything to weird you guys out so he can put that on you know his sort of celebrations of i wasn't weird to this band check or weird enough i should say you know it's, you should ask you should ask him the the reverse of that. Did any of us do anything that we? <laughs> I you know what, Mitch. Uh, that's the thing is, I think because of how weird Mitch has been, I think he'll understand. You know, he'll be like, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't throw me off my game. I'm completely fine with it. It's good. Um, so let's let's uh, let's talk about the here and now. You guys have just released "Becoming a Stranger," uh, and honestly, not an exaggeration. Uh, I think my favorite uh, song of your guys. Uh, I I love it. It's a it's a jam to me. It's got something in there. It's an '80s, early '90s soundscape somewhere in there that I get that I that uh, that I like about it. I don't know what it is. I obviously love the harmonies though too. Um, was there anything different on this that you uh, approached this song differently than any of the songs past? Is there anything changed as far as your approach to the song? I think it's more collaborative than I think. Yeah, it's got it's got a cool story. We we did um, you know, we write music a lot in New York City, and you know, I think I think a lot of us were feeling kind of a little bogged down by the city. So we were like, what if we just did like we go up to Maine for Kennebunk, Maine? What if we went up there for like a weekend to see what happens? Um, and so this song came out of that. It was, we were up there for about two days and we were kind of just playing around, figuring stuff out. And we were all together, you know, for that whole time. We were just staying in a house together. Mm -hmm. Normally we live in different apartments. And so we kind of just were there in that musically saturated space. And we played for, you know, hours until something came up that we liked. And then tons of people took turns writing musical parts, writing lyrical parts. And so I think it was a very collaborative piece um i mean you can hear that with the harmonies like all those harmonies were you know kind of all of us written in the room together and so i think it was it was more collaborative and we've had other songs like that as well but i think that's definitely on the more more collaborative side mm -hmm. yeah so is, is a little bit of sort of building with it as far as like nothing coming nothing coming and then sort of a dam broke as far as like oh what about this and then it just sort of snowballed on top of itself yeah nice nice well yeah. i i could i couldn't help but notice uh, a couple weeks ago you were wishing jt your manager a happy birthday and uh and in that happy birthday uh there was a video of him grooving around in a in a green uh, screen suit and it seems to be in the same field as the Becoming a Stranger visualizer. And uh, I was wondering, is JT the colorful man? Is he is he that guy in the video? <laughs> he is. Yes. He is. JT is yep. the colorful man. <sighs> Quite the colorful lad. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah. Man, that's yeah. Good. 
That's his real calling right there. That's his real calling is is acting. He's I had to, I had to throw on the suit for uh, we we wound up making some more visuals for um, Hard to Feel, mm-hmm. uh, which is the next song coming out. I I didn't want him to feel like oh JT you're gonna have to be the guy in the suit even though he had a good time you know uh, so I I threw it on just to make him feel like we weren't just using him. For his- Hey, you need another color guy. You call me up. I will drive up to New York, and I will be your color man in the next video if you need me to. Okay? You just let me know. We need another All color right, guy. I will gladly take that. And then it will be it'll be somewhere on this wall. I'll have a picture of it framed, and I'll be like, yeah, that was me. Yep. Juice video. 2023. That was me, everybody. It'll be, a, be one of the largest. The green man suit is one side pistol. Yeah, you just got to stretch it on. It works. It works. Well, now you've got Hard to Fill, uh, which came out uh, 1117, and I was told you guys were in the process of releasing a full project in January. I was not told about the project. I was just told project. Now, is this going to be an EP? Is this an album? Uh, Or is that top secret information? Uh, this will probably be an EP at this rate. Um, okay. We've got, you know, a few more songs that we were maybe thinking about including in this project, but they sort of feel separate. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of feel like maybe the starts of something else. Um, and, you know, we just think that the songs that we've decided on live well together. Um, and they, you know, they convey exactly what we were sort of hoping for out of this project. Um and yeah, it, we're really excited for you guys here. It's it's fun. You'll you'll be moving and grooving. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Well, now after the project comes out, you guys have got your North American 2024 tour, uh, and you guys aren't messing around when you say North American tour. Like normally, it's a it's like a Southeast tour. It's a Midwest tour. Like you guys are starting out in New York. You're going to Canada, then to the Midwest, then to the Northwest, then to the Southwest, then to Texas, and then to the South, and back to the Northeast. All in a month. Like it's uh, that it that, there's thousands and thousands of miles in a month. Like that's you're you're getting around. Uh, I mean, do you prefer it that way? Uh, like as opposed to like you know breaking it up into chunks of the the country. I think good question. I don't know. I mean, we used to do we used to do like shows only on weekends, so our tours would be like three months long. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now we do a show. We'll do like three in a row, day off, two in a row, day off, three yeah. in a row, day. Off. Like that's the general. Like maybe five days a week we're playing. Um, cause you also got to drive a lot. Yeah. Too. So I definitely like just, you know, there's something about getting in the rhythm of all those shows, yeah. like having it back. That's nice. Like, you know, you're just constantly up on that energy. Like you're here, you're playing an awesome show. It's great. You drive, you sleep when you can, and then you're up on it again. So there's definitely something to be said about the momentum that you get when you are playing that consistently. Um, it gets tiring, but also like, like I always say, as long as you don't get sick, touring is great. <laughs> it's it's awesome, and and the speed of it is, you know, I think something we've gotten really used to as well. Like this last year, we did um, three tour. We've done three tours this year, and they've all been kind of that pace. Um, so we're pretty used to it. We're we're veterans, as we say, weary highwaymen. Uh, 
at this point. So it's it's pretty much second nature. Man, some of those some of those movements they 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 go. I mean, you know, as as I, I forget. Yeah. I forget which uh, I, th- I think it's from the Midwest the 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 Northwest. I mean, you've got like it's like three days in between, but that's a a long way to travel right there. And that is that is the, now is that is that van uh, traveling there? Yeah. Ah oh, man, gotta be courteous. Nice you all gotta be courteous yeah. to your neighbors in in that van. You gotta. Yeah, you, you. I mean, you said get used to that sort of high as you go. It's got to be a bit of a drop off when you come out after that month. I mean, when you finish it, it's like, oh, whoa. I mean, it's like, is that an energy drain when you get to the end of a tour like that? Yes, and it is one of the most unique feelings I think I've ever experienced. Mm. It's like just after a month straight of night after night, this, first of all, the, the high of being on stage and just like receiving all of that like energetic output from the fans and, and the crowds and um, just kind of go, 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 go to just come and sit and do nothing. It's like, if you haven't gotten sick already, that's when it'll happen. <laughs> I, two or three days to just completely zone out and, and recenter. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, quite unusual, but mm. you know, we, we live through. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Well, now on the tour, you're making a stop at the world famous Troubadour in LA and uh, I've uh, I've asked a bunch of artists before, but do you feel any extra energy when you're playing something that has history like that? That I mean, because you know, I mean, the Troubadour has been so famous since the '60s, and you got all of that. You, get, you know, the 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 Carol Kings and the James Taylors and the 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 uh, Carly Simons and the Eagles and just all of these amazing bands, all the way up to you know. 80s and 90s artists and into the the current um do i mean do you, do you get a little jazzed does there, is there a little bit of extra in there for it yeah a little extra judge nice yeah, yeah you want, you definitely want to pay respect to the the history and um you know stature of the place but i think generally we 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 give it our all to, uh, no matter where we are mm. um you know physics willing but it's uh it's definitely cool to, you know, take a look at the walls and see who's like signed the bathroom that you know thirty years ago or mm-hmm. oh what have you. Mm-hmm. There's you definitely see a lot of cool things and see a lot of cool people um, in places like that. But also there are a lot of there are a lot of sleepers out there. Some middle of nowhere venues, places where I wouldn't even. Uh, have any business being if it were for the fact that we were professional performers well that, yeah. that was what i was going to ask all three if you if you think of it right now all three of you guys what would you say the coolest place you you've played at and when you think about yeah. all of you all the venues what one for you was was the best what do you think i'll wow. give you i'll give you a little bit because obviously there's been a bunch of uh bunch of shows in the past especially five years that you can think of where would you say the best was and you don't have to i know it's always tough for me to give a best answer because you're like really best you can give me a mm. best for like a reason you can say but it was the best because to. of this not necessarily just your absolute number one best sure I really liked um, the Bijou in uh, Knoxville. Mm. 
that venue was old and notoriously haunted. Oh. It was a theater, um, and I, I, I just, I mean, the stage was huge. The sound was incredible, and there's, there was something nice about playing in a theater like that. I mean, I mean, we we're just so used to playing in these big clubs yeah. uh, or you know, big halls, and um, it was, it was unique, and I, I quite enjoyed it. And I also really liked our show in St. Louis at this though. That brewery was sick, and they had a ping pong table. Ping pong was, tables was, always was, take no it idea. up. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. What was, what was that place in uh, Vancouver called? What was, oh, uh, what was the venue called? I'm going to try and look it up. There was, <laughs> well, so while you look that up, there's essentially there's this venue in Vancouver where I'd never been. My whole band knows that I want to va- move to Vancouver now because I, I love the city so much. Um, but I'd never been there. But we played in this huge uh, park, and there was like a big amphitheater. Mm. Um, and we were playing with Ocean Alley. This mm-hmm. was this was our last tour. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. Like a twenty five hundred person capacity, but it was just absolutely gorgeous. Like huge amphitheater, trees there, like birds flying over. Absolutely like picturesque. Um, Crowd is awesome. I think that's my favorite one of recent, at least. Nice. That was. It's. I think a lot of them. We've talked about this too. Like we feel like our music is meant to be played outside a lot of the time. I don't know why, but it feels just like very open and freeing when we get to play our music outside, and especially in somewhere like that. I think feels really right too. Yeah. Got to have the space. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Kamal, what you thinking? What's what's the the concert venue for you? It's almost like a silly answer, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually the vibes were so incredible there. Um, was it the Saturn in what was that Birmingham? Yeah, with uh, the dip. <laughs> with the dip. Oh. Um, so we we went to Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, there's this venue called Saturn. It's still there, I'd imagine. Because <laughs> this was just a few months ago, but um, they had uh, pretty much every video game console known to man oh. just lined up, like perpendicular to the bar. So our our pre-show ritual you know, while we were there is we just popped in a bunch of retro video games and sort of zoned out for a bit, just like that little space to kind of hang out and unwind after. Yeah already doing so many shows and being uh, as we say weary weary highwaymen also the green room was probably the nicest green room (laughs) you could possibly imagine it's completely livable it looks like the set of like new girl or something like a really cool setup bunk beds and like pinball machines also ping pong there's also one. ping pong, another ping pong. You table. only like venues with ping pong tables. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. You want to book? Pong or, yeah. You want to book juice? You better have a ping pong table. That better happen. Yeah. You gotta. Birmingham brings the fire. Uh, we had, you know, we had uh, Matchbox Twenty uh, on the show over the summer, and Matchbox Twenty, their career would not be their career without Birmingham. Birmingham saved Matchbox Twenty. 
uh, their first album wow. was doing nothing uh, when they first put it out. Like, nobody was playing it. And for some reason, Birmingham loved the song Push. And it was number one on their radio station. And so, all of a sudden, uh, I think it was Atlantic. Atlantic was like, why? Why does Birmingham love this? I don't know. I guess we'll, all right, we'll make it the single. And they turned it the single, and that's how that's that album went uh, 15 uh, times platinum, 15 million albums sold, or whatever it is. So Birmingham yeah, can yeah. Birmingham yeah. can make you. It can make you, that, that town. <laughs> it can make you. It's a fantastic place. Oh, it is. No doubt. I had a great time there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, one other thing on the touring that I noticed, Ben. Um, I noticed in a lot of pictures, you seem to be barefoot in a lot of the pictures do you prefer <laughs> do you for, prefer to get the feet out during a show <laughs> the dogs are out yeah <laughs> you know, I, uh, I i find i think i think it's just generally i'm i'm the type of guy that's like we'll pass a field on tour and i'll be like oh sweet jeez that looks good <laughs> <laughs> i i, I want to just be like barefoot and as like on the ground i don't know I, I feel freer that way and especially like when the set is halfway through and like we've got audrey coming up and i like really want to start moving mm-hmm. like that's when i'll take the shoes off sometimes i'll just come off like come onto the stage straight away without shoes if i'm feeling feeling that but um yeah that's that's funny you noticed that i it, hope it's not gross <laughs> no it looks uh, uh, it looks homey that's the thing it looks like you're jamming in in you know in the basement like you guys were like let's rock let's get out let's let's get this going and i'm like yeah i want to be a part of this jam although i think people would really cool. you know question it if i was in the crowd and i was like hey guys i'm gonna take off my shoes hold on just a second what? No, don't do it. Yeah, I don't think it'd be as good for an audience member, but it it works. It works for the band, you know? That That's definitely good. a good idea. As long as that's the energy, like a, a welcoming energy, yeah. as, as it were. I'm glad that that's how you're taking it. That's good. I'm ta- I, you know, there, there are a lot of foot creeps out there, I will say. And the reason that I probably noticed this was we had another band on the show from Canada, uh, short, uh, short Walk to Pluto. Um and they're 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 a young band that sort of went viral on on you know a lot of uh, on TikTok and on Instagram. But when I was going through their viral videos, I started looking at the comments, and a, a ton, a ton of the comments were asking them about their feet. Like all of it's like, hey, why you guys have your shoes off? Hey, what's going on with the bass player's feet over there? And so when I had him on the show, I was like, are you guys weirded out by all the feet questions? And they're like, no, we started wearing different socks to see what people would say about all of our different socks that we put on. And so, you know, it actually worked to their advantage. People were interested in it. They wanted to know about their 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 feet. A lot of... Lot of there you go, guys. There you go. All the time. Barefooted juice. That's it. That is it, guys. We are up Sounds against. Like a <laughs> I think that you mix it with the barefoot. Is that just it? Barefoot. Is that the whole? I think barefoot wine. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, guys, we are up against there a break. Go. I want to thank you guys for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure. It's been, it's been an absolute fun blast. Time. 
Thank you so much, Ben. For sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things Juice at their website. It's timeforjuice.com, or you can follow them on social media at Juice Band. Right now, let's take a listen to that fantastic jam, Becoming a Stranger, right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. You just heard a juice, Mike. My goodness. That band is, they are, I mean, they, they're, first of all, super talented. Second of all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, it's wild to start out a group with nine members it's a, it's a, you've got a symphony. You've got a orchestra. Mm-hmm. You don't have a band at that time. I'd forget band members' names if I started with a band that were nine. Who are you again? Oh, you play keyboards, right? Nice to meet you. I forgot. Mm-hmm. No, that's mm-hmm. cool. Like that's just a lot of people, man. And they all met at college. It seems like a really good fun time, you know. You all go to yeah. college. You got nine of you hanging out in the dorms. You're like, you want to go? Mm-hmm. You want to go to the clubs? Nah, man. Let's just play music here in the dorms. Yeah, that's nice. That's a good time. Mm-hmm. I want to be involved yeah. with that, you know? Yeah, so much enthusiasm, so much youthful. Yeah, I mean, I ask them, again, I ask them because, you know, this would be me. I ask them if there was anybody that tried to jump into the band with, like, a triangle or something as far as, uh, you know. Just to hey, guys, I play I play triangle. Can I get in on this thing? That would have been <laughs> me. I would have came in and been like, guys, I, you know, I, I don't want to brag, but I play a pretty mean spoon. So if anybody wants mm. to hear me on these spoons, we can get down, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, just something. Tambourine, I'd get in there with the tambourine, really groove, mm-hmm. you know. But sadly, I didn't have that experience, Mike. There were no hardcore musicians. I did have a guy that played the clarinet in the dorm right beside me. Clarinet. Mm. But aside from that. That's like the, it's like a, what is a clarinet? A, it's like it's, a little flute. It's a woodwind, Mike. It's a woodwind. It's a woodwind. And it's it's oh, got a it's yeah. got a reed. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking it's about. Yeah, it's like black. black. Yeah, looks yeah. looks a little bit like your your charming uh a charming a snake, a little bit. Okay. You know, I know what you're talking. Yeah. Yep, I know what they are. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, but surprisingly, we did not uh we did not jam me and this guy. I'm pretty sure too he played the <laughs> oboe as well. I want to say oboe as well, which is different because that's a that's a double reed right there. Double reed. Split it. You know. Duff. Tough. Hmm. Regardless, Mike, none of those instruments made it to Juice. And the listeners out there should listen to Juice. So true. By the way, Mike, uh, this just happened this week. Had several people uh, either comment on um, social media posts we had or uh, message me directly uh, about how... They didn't know I had a show. Um, and then they're like, oh my God, you got a show. That's so cool, man. Oh. And then I was, it's one of those things that, like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I mentioned it a little bit. And then, of course, they, at the end, they gave me, like, the obligatory, hey, I, I'll, ch- I'll check it out sometime. And I was like, you're not looking at it. You're not looking at it. You're not looking at it. Stop. Yeah. Stop, stop, stop. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even need to, you don't even need to tell me. But I had like, it was weird. I had like seven people do that this, this week. And then, cool. and I had to be like, hey, you know what? Seven years. That's how long we've been doing this show. So listen up. <laughs> all right. Stop. <laughs> yeah. It only took you seven. Only took you seven. Seven, Mike. Sorry. Got a little out of control. Thanks for That's listening, okay. all the listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, if you get a chance, Check out Juice. They are super talented folks, and I enjoyed talking to them. It's a fantastic time. Uh, Mike, we need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. 
Mike, see top three. You know it. And, Mike, you went with an interesting one this week. A very uh, eh, unique one. Top unique. three yes. office supplies. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, mm-hmm. I decided to take this a little bit into my own direction here. And I went with cool. top three sort of like unnecessary or old office supplies. Cool, cool, That's cool. what I went with. So, do you have any uh, honorable mentions? Um, hmm. I don't know if this is uh, considered office supplies, mm-hmm. but since I've been working at a desk, I think it's necessary to have art on your desk. Got to have a little inspiration. Some kind of something, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got art. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just a little... Yeah, you got you got the old mm. fat lesbians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? The, les- the lesbians. Yeah, that's them. That's them. The lesbian, the lesbian pipe. There you go. There you go. It's art, listeners. Ready. You're not. You're mm-hmm. not. It is you're art. You're not uh, seeing it because this is a radio show. But I'm holding it up. So there you go. Um, it's like a fidget spinner, but it's like a drug. Exactly. It's also a drug device. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, Mike, <laughs> I've got three honorable mentions. Um, okay. One would be the five and a quarter inch floppy disk. Oh yeah. The big deal floppies, you know? Not the small three and a quarter, but the five and a quarter floppies. Yeah, the really thin ones. The ones for Apple back in the day when you wanted to play some Oregon Trail for all my old school folks out there. You had to get that big floppy out and just wave it off and then mm-hmm. throw it in. Hear it go ka-chunk a, a couple of times. Yeah, it's very satisfying to put that in. Yeah, I mean, imagine that, Mike. You're working at some office. You got some new software on the computer. You got the, the first Excel ever. You got to put that Excel on there. Hold on. Let me get the floppies out for this. Ka-chunk. Ka-chunk. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Second honorable mention, Mike. This is way before my time but I just thought this was always cool. Ticker tape machine. Ticker tape. Yeah. Yeah, it's back in the day in any like business that got stock quotes, Mike. It was where you mm-hmm. literally got stock quotes printed out to you almost instantly. You know, the stock uh the stock exchange would print them out on just little half-inch pieces of paper. It would just constantly mm-hmm. run out of this machine. And originally, it went off of Morse code. You know, it would translate Morse code through telephone line and give you those uh, stock quotes. So people in, you know, San Francisco could have the stock yeah. quotes in real time. Wow, I always wondered how they did that. Yeah. That's wild. Ticker tape, Mike. Yeah. And that's where, you know, if you've ever heard of a ticker tape parade in New York... They literally used ticker tape from the machines as streamers. They would just throw it out there uh, into the streets. Ticker tape parade. Uh, yeah. That'd be really sad if you like had a stock that were like that tanked and you got the ticker tape for it and you're like, oh, oh I should have known before the parade. Money. They should have told <laughs> me this. Lastly, on my honorable mentions, Mike, paperweights. Hmm, paperweights. Yeah. For listeners out there unaware, most people, most people pre like 1995 would just have a weight on their desk, just something that was a heavy object that you put for the express purpose of holding down papers. And you know, when I was writing this, Mike, when I was thinking of my honorable mentions, I was like, why were so many people worried about windy conditions 
Where were they? Yeah. Were there like breezes coming through the office? They worked in Hurricane Alley. Like, oh, Jesus, not again. Oh, all of my papers. <laughs> like, I I have an extremely messy desk at work, Mike. I've got papers everywhere on my desk. None of them have ever blown off of my desk. I've never been concerned that they're just going to mm. blow away. But apparently it was a big issue back in the day. So mm. I'm going to start with my number three, Mike. Number three of the list, the staple remover device. The staple remover. Yeah. You've seen these. They look like a little piranha skeleton, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to play with them. Yeah. It probably wasn't until I was like 12 that I actually knew what the thing did. I would just (laughs) go to every adult's office and be like, what is this? Some kind of toy? What did they play with this? This (laughs) seems... You know, and then I just bite myself on my finger with it and be like, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, that's pointy, you know? And then all of a sudden... I, I knew what it did. I just never knew how they worked. No, I just... I, like, how? I had no idea. Like, I just... I sat there and just poked myself with it until, like, I was 12 and actually needed to remove a staple. And somebody was like, you could use this thing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's what it does. Okay. And it actually works. It works pretty well. It's not too mm. bad. But you know, okay. who removes staples that much that you need a, remo- a staple-removing device? You know, are you just getting yeah. things stapled all the time? I'm not, but, you know. Ah, great investment. Number three, Mike, for you. For me, Doc G, it will have to be the Bic pin. Mm. Preferably, preferably a click, a click Bic. You don't have, a, you don't have like a click right now. No, well, uh, I don't think so. Not on my desk, no. But yeah, I like the way these write, the big pens. I don't know anything about pen stock, G. I just, you know those really pointy ones with the uh, the really pointy ones with the the liquid. Yeah, I, mean, I guess gel. All yeah, is liquid. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. gel pens, mm-hmm. ah, those are, yeah, those aren't great. No, you Bic don't pens, like them? This is how you write. No. Well, you got to watch out really for those bad. those heavy those heavy inked the the uh, free ink the gel ink they're gonna smear on you a lot of times. Yeah, they smear. Ugh, you know, not great. You got to watch big pens. I'm not. I don't know if big I would pens. say I'm a big pen fan. I do have a big pen top here. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know where the actual pen is, but I have the top. But I, yeah, you know, there's a lot of tops. I don't. I don't know what. Uh, what would be my number one? I got to be honest. I'm not sure what my number one writing device would be. I got to think about it for a little bit. A quill. Yes, <laughs> yes, mainly a quill. <laughs> uh, number two on my list, Mike. About as useful as a quill. Rolodex. A Rolodex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. These hung out on people's desks for way too long, Mike. Like, I remember being in people's offices in, like, late 2000s, and people would still have Rolodexes on their desk. And, like, by that time, you had, like, 5,000 options of holding people's numbers besides a goofy (laughs) circle of pages on your desk. Uh. Like, just... I think there might have been, like, one time I actually used a Rolodex. That's a fact. Like, I was in my mom's office, and she was like, hey... She like like called me. She was somewhere else, and she was like, "Hey, this person's number's on the Rolodex," and I had to flip through it and find it and be like, "Got it, 
It's pretty much the only time. And then she had the rotary phone that she would call out. Right, what's the number? Dear, dear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff, Mike. Number two for you. Number two for me, um, a very long iPhone cord or charger cord. Mm. A ver- like a 10-footer, freaking 15-footer, Doc G. I want this thing to reach across the room. That is useful. I like the long, long iPhone cord. That is very useful, Mike. Yeah. Got to get that charge on. That is, yeah. uh, I definitely agree. Definitely agree. <clears throat> Although, I prefer to use my phone as uh, um, as little as possible during the day, so it has no need of charging except at night. That's pretty much it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, opposite. I'm on my phone the entire time I'm working. <laughs> pretty much. I uh, yeah. I try to not be on it at all except at, uh, at night. Uh, you know, except, you know. Yeah, good for you, Doctor. Uh, That's amazing. Hey, me and Dolly, we're one and the same, you know? Yeah. We're one and the same. And uh, to back that up, Mike, my number one, fax machine. Fax machine. Mike, when I first wrote up this list, I had this whole thing about how you'd still come across a company that makes you fax them information. And now I know one of those weird companies is Dolly Parton. Yep, Dolly Parton and the IRS. And guess what? I'm here for it, everybody. Yes! Yes! Yeah, Dolly knows there are 4,000 other options to communicate, but she doesn't care. She wants a secure fax hot off the press. Yes! (laughs) I love it, Mike. It's her version of the ticker tape. Yes! Fax machine. No way. I'm not a fan. Oh. Not a fan of the fax machine. Really don't know how to use them. No, it's absolutely Really don't horrible. know what the point of them. Yeah. Well, I guess there was there was absolutely a point of them back in the day. Yeah, Mike. It was basically you, know. you could you could send somebody a copy without having to walk it over there. You could send a person a copy all the way across the United States on a fax machine. Yeah. It's amazing. I remember, I feel like on Good Morning America when the internet or email just first started... And they were like debating about why, like, what's the point of email? You could just send them a fax. Yeah. Right there. It's amazing. All right. It's pretty (laughs) awesome. And these machines have a phone on them and it's great. Oh, great. They break. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, you're number one. My number one, Doc G, a stand up desk. Mm. Getting into this age, I want to stand up. Um, I love it. I like the stand up. I like to be able to I love it, Mike. adjust my desk. You know what I wish? I wish my desk could be like a sit down, like a, like a, is Indian style a cancelable term? Can I say Indian style? I'd probably say so. You like to cross leg. Let's just go cross leg. I like leg. sitting. I would like to, I wish my desk could go down. That low, huh? Floor. <laughs> yeah. All the way down, all, all the way up. Leg. That's the way you yeah. want to go. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. You want one where you can lay down all the way on your stomach <laughs> and just yeah, type. Like it goes above, it goes above me. Nice. I like it. I like it, Mike. I do, you know, I would like to switch, but I got to be honest. It's very easy for me to get lazy and just sit at the desk for hours. So easy. So easy. Yeah, that's nice. You know, I, I am nice. not one of those people that has over like, you know, that is over anxious and just has to move constantly. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I can sit there at the desk if I need I to, and then all of a sudden I I'll look up and be like, I haven't moved for six hours? F- oh, God, I got to do something, mm-hmm. you know? It's bad. That is not healthy for you at all. So 
Yeah. Stand up. Stand up. Your legs are dead. Stand up desk is good, man. Stand up desk. I like it. Number one, Mike, you actually Mm -hmm. did useful office supplies, and I commend you. I did all (laughs) wasted uh, old school things that no one uses except for Dolly Parton. I wonder if Dolly Parton Mm -hmm. has a staple remover device, you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, For all the faxes that she staples together, (laughs) probably. uh, I I got to look at these individually. (laughs) Hold on a second. I'm going to take this out. Uh, Nice stuff. Mike, uh, we've got two birthday suits left over. I'm not sure if you're going to get either. I don't know. I'm a little worried, Mike. I've got a uh, sports commentator. Uh, sports broadcaster, I should say, and I've got a uh, uh, actress. All right, which one do you want to hear? Actresses. I know a couple sports commentators. Let's go with the sports commentator. Okay, uh, known as the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers, he started the job in 1950 and retired in 2016. We actually talked about his hot house on the show after he passed away. Has an amazing house in Los mm. Angeles. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get it. No. No idea. No. I'll give you his initials just in case. V.S. Victor. <laughs> no. I thought you were going to go with Victoria's Secret. Vin Scully. <laughs> Vin <laughs> Scully. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Crazy. When you look at it, I mean, just his work, 50 to 2016, 66 years. Mm, It's a good run. He started working with the Dodgers when they were the Brooklyn Dodgers. Jeez. That's insane. That is is. nutter butters. He He was working with baseball when Jackie Robinson was playing. That's insane. Yeah, it is. That is nuts. But of course, he's uh, you know, he's known as uh, he's known as one of the greats. Known as one of the greats. Um, just fantastic. Uh, I think he actually. Uh, let's see. Was he on? Was Jackie Robinson on the Brooklyn Dodgers when Vin Scully? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was on the Brooklyn Dodgers when Vin Scully started. Uh, started uh, uh commentating holy crap that's that is a long time ago and he was just yeah, commentating games seven years ago that's insane that is nuts hats off to vin scully uh won the medal uh, uh presidential medal of freedom from barack obama mm. uh, barack obama got a star on the hollywood walk of fame inducted into the national radio hall of fame and the broadcasting hall of fame shout wow. out wow Shout out yeah. to Vin Scully right Shout now. Shout out. Uh, Mike, okay, let's try to get one. Let's try to get one here. Here we go. All right. Born on November 29th, 1976. Actress known for her roles in the scary movie film series. She had a small role in Brokeback Mountain. She played an Overboard and several others. She was married to Chris Pratt. For nine years, from 2009 to 2018. Hmm. She was. Uh, what was the uh, what was the horror movie? Scary, scary Scream. N- a scary, scary movie. movie. The the com- comedies. Oh. Um. She uh, she was also in all- Jennifer Love Hewitt. No, no. She was also in uh, uh, Just Friends, 
and uh, and waiting with Ryan Reynolds. Both of those movies. Yeah, uh, I know the face. I just don't know the name. Why is the name not coming to me? Uh, I'll take initials, Doc G. Maybe I can get it. A F. Anna. Anna. Um, Thank Bueller's Day Off. Anna Ferris. There you go. There it is. What? Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris is I'll correct. Take it, whatever percentage that is. I'm I'm giving you point five. I'm still giving right. you point five. I know right, I gave cool. you two Anna clues, Ferris. but I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, Anna Ferris, man, turning forty-seven. Hmm. Forty-seven for Anna Ferris. Grew up in uh, in Seattle. She was born in Baltimore. She grew up loving drama. She attended the University of Washington. Earned a degree in English. Right after college, she landed the role in the first scary movie. Then in 2003, she played in Lost in Translation. Then in 2005, Brokeback Mountain. Also, the two comedies, Waiting and Just Friends. Uh, in 2007, she starred in Mama's Boy. 2009, she starred in Observe and Report with Seth Rogen. Uh, in 2013, she received the main role in the sitcom Mom. I didn't. I didn't know that existed. But apparently, it was extremely successful. Mike ran for eight years. Mom. Mom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And in 2015, she's beating this show. Mike. She started her podcast, Unqualified. Mm. 2015. Shout out to her. She's been doing it for eight years. Nice. Shout nice. out. Beat us by a year. Happy birthday to Anna Ferris, Mike. Anna Ferris, Anna. I think Anna she goes Ferris. by Anna. Anna. Yeah, I, I think it might be Anna Ferris. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, regardless, either way, Anna, Anna, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mike. You ended, You did not go over. You went half out of three, I'll and I'm it. proud of you I'll for fighting it. for that half. Thank you, Doc G. I appreciate and it. Some days, you know, you just don't have the energy, but you fight for it, and you mm -hmm. did, mm -hmm. and I appreciate mm -hmm. it. That's, That's nice. Right. Mike, yep. we have some fantastic shows. Get this. Get this. Three shows until the end of the year. Wait, what? You believe that? Yeah. Three shows. Can't believe it. 2023 is going to be in the books. Three shows. That's nutter butters. Yeah, that's it is. crazy. We got fantastic shows. We're of course going to end out the year on the highlights. We're going to go highlights of 2023. We've got a lot of them. I mean, you know, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking Matchbox 20. Yes. I'm thinking Lewis Black. I'm, oh, yeah. We've we've had so many awesome shows. I'm thinking Sam Morell. I mean, so many good ones in Ken 2023. Rollins is here, right. Kent Rollins, Ugh. Nico Moon. Don't forget Nico. Nico. That was right at the same time. I mean, Great lots interview. of good shows. Lots yeah. of good shows. Mike, we got to wrap it up for today. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Ferticus. Sure, Brett. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it up. Thank you.